welcome to the Holy Bible Study for Genesis chapter 6. This time around, we are going to get into the narrative of Noah. We're going to talk about him for the next few studies. Noah and his ark, and we're going to talk about why God chose Noah over all of the other inhabitants of the earth. We are going to talk about Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We're also going to touch on the fallen angels and their relations with the daughters of men. And then Nephilim, the race of giants that came forth through those relations. And we're going to talk about so much more, so let's just jump right into it. I hope you all will enjoy it and share it if you do. And God bless you all. Godspeed. one and get started and it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them verse 2 that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose now the daughters were born unto them obviously from chapter 5 and previous chapters of Genesis we can infer that daughters have been born long before the time of this verse. So this isn't just saying for the first time daughters were born, they have been born previously. This particular verse is referring to a specific generation of daughters, a generation of women that are going to be corrupted and actually procreate with demonic beings. How do I know that they had sexual relations with demons? Next verse, verse 2. The sons of God in the Old Testament are always referring to the angels, or in this case, the fallen angels. The only other son of God that we find in the Old Testament was Adam, because he was a direct creation of Almighty God. Every other human being thereafter in the Old Testament was created by another human being. So everyone else on the earth since Adam, with the exception of Jesus Christ, is a son of Adam, not a son of God. So for those who say there was the Sethites here, it can't be because they were not sons of God. They were sons of Adam. Now, as I explained in episode 4, chapter 2 Bible study, I tell you why we are sons of Adam and not sons of God until we come to faith in Jesus Christ. So go back and watch that if you haven't already. I don't want to go into detail about that because there's a lot to cover in this chapter. And of course, Jesus Christ was the son of God. Everyone knows that. We unfortunately are all sons of Adam until we get washed and cleansed in Christ's sinless atoning blood and are made new creations in the sight of our Father in heaven through Christ. Then and only then, can we truly become sons and daughters of God? The reason why I believe here that the sons of God referred to in verse 2 are fallen angels is because in the original Hebrew text, they're called Benai Elohim. Every other time that we read of Benai Elohim in the Old Testament, this title always described angels, always. For example, you can find this in the book of Job, chapters 1, 2, and 38, as well as in the book of Psalms, 29 and 89. The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament text, written in 250 B.C., so this is before Christ, renders sons of God in Genesis 6 as angels of God. 
So I would say it is a pretty reliable source that it was 250 years before Christ came. Also, the book of Enoch, an apocryphal book, which was quoted by Jude in our New Testament, says that angels came down from heaven to earth, lusted after the daughters of men, and said, let us take them as wives and beget children through them. Now that matches completely what we are reading here in this chapter of Genesis. Sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now Peter, Jesus' disciple, seemed to hold this view of Genesis 6. As in 2 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5, he wrote that God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. He seemed to directly connect the sins of the old world with the sins of the angels, meaning that they had both occurred during the days of Noah. While there are some teachers out there who try to say that the sons of God were actually the sons of Seth, or the Sethites as I mentioned, and that the daughters of man were referring to the daughters of Cain, I just cannot find any biblical foundation for that argument. The sons of God being fallen angels view is backed up by so many biblical sources. The Sethite argument is actually destroyed by other biblical sources. Why would the unnatural breed of beings known as the Nephilim, or giants, be produced through the relations of Sethites and Cainites? It doesn't make any sense. They would have regular human children, just like the other sons of Seth and Cain had had up until that point of chapter 6. And I really like how Chuck Musler put it. The children of the sons of Seth and the daughters of Cain may have been immoral little monsters, but they were not literal monsters like those that we read about who were produced here in Genesis 6, the Nephilim, the giants we're going to read about. The Nephilim are a new breed of beings altogether. They were obviously produced through a new and unnatural union. And that would give credence to the fallen angels having sexual relations with the daughters of men. Now let's read verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. Now because of man's sinful nature, which we read is growing rapidly worse in this chapter, the Lord sets a time limit for the lifespan of man. He says that the years of men that are born henceforth, going forward, post-flood, would be 120 years. If you remember from the previous Genesis study, they were all living for nearly 1,000 years. Now, we read here that his spirit would not always strive with man. The Holy Spirit was working to draw men to God all the way back in the beginning, in the first generations of Adam. He obviously worked through to Enoch, as Enoch walked with God, we found, and was eventually raptured because of how close he had became to our Father in Heaven. Also in the New Testament, Jude 1.14, we are told that Enoch was a prophet, so the Holy Spirit was using him to preach to others, not to mention 
the New Testament refers to Noah as a preacher of righteousness in 2 Peter 2.5. So the Spirit was working through him as well. And this explains why God was so grieved with the wickedness of man in Genesis 6, because Noah did not make one convert through his preaching. Not one. Only him and his family entered the ark. Less than ten people. So God was not going to allow his spirit to be grieved, nor quenched any longer, nor ignored any longer, because the spirit was preaching through Enoch, it was preaching through Noah, and nobody was listening. Nobody cared. And you're going to hear me talk a lot about the days of Noah in this chapter, because it was a prophecy of Jesus. Jesus said, as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, meaning the latter days leading up to the rapture of the faithful are going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. And people say, oh, it just meant that they were eating and drinking and making merry. Now, you can use that in saying that none of them were really paying attention to the prophecies. They weren't paying attention to God. You know, since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, yada, yada, yada. But I believe the days of Noah here referred to specific sins and wickedness that were going on in the days of Noah, as we're going to find going forward. But here... Like in our generation, me, I'm preaching primarily to a generation that's not listening, that doesn't want to hear. They say, oh, my body, my choice. I don't want to hear about what God says about abortion. Oh, love is love. I don't want to hear what God says about homosexuality. Um, you know, there's other ways to heaven, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to hear that just Jesus is the only way. So today's teenagers and even a lot of adults just don't want to hear the word of God. And when they do hear it, they don't want to believe it. Because that it would make them acknowledge that they're sinners and that they have to turn to a Savior. And they don't want to. They want to keep in their sinful ways. Because the world says it's cool. The world says it's fun. And, you know, God forbid they choose God over cool and fun. So that to me signifies, as it was in the days of Noah, so too it is also in our day. Whereas the people, a majority of them, are just flat out ignoring the preaching of the Word of God. They don't want to hear it. They don't want the Spirit. And that's what Noah had to put up with. Now, verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Now, the giants are Nephilim, as I referred to earlier, in the Hebrew. So whenever you hear me say Nephilim, I'm just referring to the giants here. Giants on the earth were most likely men, not literal demons walking around, but men whose bodies were inhabited by demons. That is why we read, also after that, when the sons of God, fallen angels, came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. So the giants were already on the earth we're reading about, which were the bodies of men inhabited by demons. But then this unholy union, sexual relations between the actual fallen angels and women produced more of these giants, these Nephilim, which again would just be incarnated with demons. Now you may ask, how would the demons who are spirits have come in unto, meaning how could they have had sexual relations with the women? They had to possess bodies of men. And because of the sinful nature of men on earth at that time, specifically the Canaanite men, who we read about in chapter 5, 
it must have been very easy for the demons to die. Excuse me, I think we read about the Cainites in chapter 4, not 5. 5 was the generations of Adam. Also, the name Nephilim also means fallen angels. Or fallen ones, excuse me. It means the fallen ones, which we can attribute to fallen angels. There can be no doubt that these were fallen angels inhabiting bodies of men. There's no doubt. So anyone who makes any other arguments that though these were judges of men, these were the Sethites, it just it doesn't add up biblically when you compare it to the rest of the Bible in the Hebrew translation. Okay, now we're going to go to verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. There's a verse I've quoted before in these Bible studies, and I can't give you the chapter and verse right now, but we pretty much memorized it because it's a powerful verse. It says, God's eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeing if anyone understands, if anyone seeketh after him. It's a powerful verse. He's watching daily. He's watching nightly. Who is searching for me? Who is praying to me? Who is reading my word? Who is following me? He's looking. And unfortunately, much like our day, in Noah's day, he was looking around and he saw wickedness of man was great. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. So their hearts were not seeking after God. As I said, they were ignoring Noah's preaching. They were living by the lusts of their own heart. Whether that been um, lust and temptation of the flesh, um, you know, premarital sex, um, same, say, same sex, such as we're going to read about going forward with Lot in the days of Lot, homosexuality. And they were probably aborting their babies and sacrificing them unto the false gods, like we find later on in the book. And they were also probably worshipping false gods that were out there, since they were inhabited by demons. They were probably worshipping Satan, many of them. And they were raping, and they were pillaging, and they were murdering. They were a godless race of people at this time. Now, not so much the race of Seth, but we only read primarily in Genesis chapter 5 of that righteous line through which Jesus Christ would descend from. So we only get ten names. And it says they had sons and daughters. They had sons and daughters. They had sons and daughters. So we know that Seth and that Methuselah and Lamech and Enos and all the rest, they had more sons and daughters. But notice their sons and daughters weren't mentioned by name. So... It can also be taken from that, that possibly not only the sons of Cain, but the sons of Seth, a lot of them turned their backs on God. And a lot of them were doing all these ungodly things. Because, unfortunately, only Noah and his family got saved from this mess on the earth. They were the only ones... That God said, this is the only family who I see. And it wasn't even so much a family, it was just Noah. But they're the only ones who have found grace in my sight. Because everyone else is just so wicked. Every thought. Notice God says, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Continually. So, they weren't on the fence. They weren't serving God sometimes and then doing evil, sinful, wicked things at other times. Like people do in our day and age. They were over here to left. 
They were evil, sin, wickedness, continually, continually. There was no good in them. They were just doing wickedness continually. So if you go forward in the book of Exodus and God gives his laws, guarantee this generation on the earth in Noah's day was breaking every single one continually. How much do you think that grieved God? And that's why we read that it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. He's like, man, I just made this creation in my own image, this, this people, this creation that I can love, and they can love me back. And what happened? Satan got a hold of them, and now they are all running around like hellions. They're all running around doing things that grieve me, things that I cannot look at. Because the Holy Bible says later on, God cannot look upon sin. That's why we need to come through Jesus Christ, because otherwise he won't see us. He won't hear us, because we're covered in sin. He cannot be in the presence of sin. And at this time, his eyes, he couldn't take it. Everywhere he looked, sin, sin, evil, wickedness, everywhere. So the word repented here doesn't mean God repented. The word repented here in the Hebrew means sorry. So it really says, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. He just, he couldn't believe what they had become. It was a shame to him what his beautiful, perfect creation had become once it got defiled through sin. All right, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Again, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now you get a lot of people these days who don't read the Holy Bible, who don't study the Holy Bible, these secular, you know, college professors or college kids who will say, well, I don't believe in your God because he was evil. He flooded the earth. He killed everybody. And then, you know, he... Uh, murdered all the Egyptian babies and this and that. So they they don't read the story. They don't realize why certain things had to happen. They just pick out little things out of context and say, your God's a bad God. He's a mean God. I just told you what men were like on the earth. Now, to the, all these college kids and liberal professors who ask, um, you know, how can you believe in that God when he wiped out the entire earth, millions of people with a flood? I just told you what the people were like. So you, would you like your neighbor to be a rapist? Would you like your neighbor to be a pedophile if you have kids? Would you like your neighbor to be a thief? Back then, I'm sure they didn't have really strong locks on their doors. Would you like your neighbor to be an adulterer who would come in and sleep with your wife when you're not home? Would you like your neighbor to be a murderer? You can even let your kids play out in the backyard because your neighbor may come over and slam. That's the type of people that were on the earth at this time. Sin, wickedness, evil, continually. Everything we call evil and wickedness and sin today, that's what they were. So if you're fine with a world like that, if you would have been happy with your family living in a world like that, then maybe you don't need to know my God, who is a just, faithful Gracious, holy, loving, perfect God who can't deal with any of that stuff. He hates that stuff. Hates it. Hates evil. That's why there's another verse in the Bible who says, You who love the Lord hate evil. Hate it. 
because he hates it. So that's why God is going to have to destroy these men off the face of the earth. But if you look down verse 8, but, a lot of people say, don't start a sentence with but, but this is the perfect instance to do that. After you just read that God was sorry he had made man, he was about ready to destroy everything, and just say, I'm done with it, I'm going to wash my hands of it, I'm done with it, it didn't work out the way I thought it was. Instead, there's a but. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did Noah find grace with the Lord? Just go to verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. So let's break that down. How do you find grace in the eyes of God? Number one, you be just in an unjust world. Just here, to me, from what I can infer from it, studying the rest of the Holy Bible, when God refers to just men and just women. Just would be being trustworthy, being faithful, being true, not a liar, not a gossiper, not a cheater, um, not a breaker of God's laws. That is just. Where you know right from wrong, and you always choose the side of right. Now, it says Noah was perfect in his generations. Perfect. We find in the New Testament that no one is good and perfect but God. So here, for him to be called perfect, think of how bad everybody else had to be. I'm sure he wasn't perfect in the way we think about it today. Because, I mean, we know that Jesus Christ was the only human being who never, ever sinned, not once. But yet, know what we're going to find after the flood. If you remember, he he's in the cave and he gets drunk and, you know, that's another story. But, perfect here means, compared to everybody else in his generations, this man was perfect. Why? Why? Because he walked with God. Where have we heard that before? Last chapter, last study. Go back. We read about Enoch, the one who was raptured, taken into heaven alive. It says, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him out of this world because he walked with the Lord. He knew the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He sacrificed to the Lord. He blessed the Lord with his mouth. And everything that he did with the work of his hands, he loved God with all his being. Noah loved God with all his being, had a relationship with God. We, today, that's how we find grace in God's sight today amidst the wickedness and evils of this world is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because again, God cannot be in the presence of sin. So he sent his only begotten son, who knew not sin, who never sinned, to become sin for us, that we poor sinners may be reconciled unto a holy, just, loving, perfect Father and God in heaven. So we can walk with God and have a relationship with God and commune with God 
just like Adam did, just like Enoch did, just like Abel did, just like Noah did, just like Moses will, just like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, David, you name it. We can have a same relationship with God that they had through Jesus Christ. Because when we get washed and cleansed in his blood, God forgives our every sin and iniquity, and he doesn't look upon our sins anymore. He only looks upon us washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus, which maketh us pure and white and holy and perfect in his sight. Us weak, imperfect sinners become perfect in his sight, as God called Noah perfect. Why? Because we choose to walk with God through the way he has made, which is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. We walk in that way to God, we will be perfect and holy and just in his sight, find grace in his sight, even though we're poor, weak, imperfect, unjust people. Because we put our faith in the sacrifice that he has made for us. Noah walked with God, hallelujah. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I'm going to talk a lot about them in the coming chapters, and we're going to explain who descends from them and, and how they were divided upon the earth. But real quick, we read about the generations of Adam, that line, the ten generations are going to stem down through history and through which Jesus Christ will come. And Noah was the last of that genealogy we read. And then now out of his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, remember how um, Enoch had sons, Methuselah had sons, Enos had sons, Seth had sons, but you'll notice only one son in the line was named. So Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all three of them are not going to be part of that righteous line. Shem, sounds like Seth, that's how you can remember it, Shem. He is the one who will continue that godly line on through to Jesus Christ. Again, these men weren't perfect. They weren't completely righteous. They weren't completely holy. But they are the ones God chose for Jesus Christ to come through. This line of men. Because they were just in God's sight. They were men that found grace in God's sight. While not perfect... He loved them because they chose in their hearts to walk with him while the imagination of everyone else's hearts was after Satan, was evil, wicked, continually. So Shem, he is going to be um, the father of all the Semitic Jewish people, the Hebrews, as we would call them today. And Ham, he is going to be the father of primarily all the other tribes in the Middle East, the Africans, the Arabs, etc., and Japheth is going to be the father of the Gentile world. So he's going to be like the Germans, the Russians, the English, um, us, Americans. We're all descendants of Japheth, but we can be grafted into that family tree of God's chosen people, the Jews, as Christians, when we put our faith in the King of the Jews, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then us Christians and Jews become one man in Christ, as the Bible says. All right, so Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for 
all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So corrupt, that's pretty plain and simple. When you think of corrupte, you think of something good. Absolutely not. It was corrupt. It was wicked. It was evil. It was unfair. It was unjust. Unlike Noah. And the earth was filled with violence. Now, remember back to when I said, Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noah, so also it shall be in the time of my coming. In my first book, The Signs of Our Times, I read a chapter on terrorism, specifically Islamic terrorism. And I give that verse from Jesus where he said, As the days of Noah were, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. That's because when it says here the earth was filled with violence, the word violence there in the Hebrew can be translated as terror, terrorism. So a more accurate translation of verse 11 would be, The earth was filled with terrorism. Look around. The past decade, has our earth been filled with terrorism? Whether it be ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hamas, Hezbollah, all the terror groups in Africa, you name it. Terrorism, actually in my book I write about how worldwide terror has reached an all-time high in the past few years. So, yeah, it's like the days of Noah. Terrorism just was filling the earth. In verse 11, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. Get it? All flesh. Except for Noah. So, again, when people say, How could God flood the world? Millions of people, oh, innocent children. All flesh. Even the children were corrupted. They were little hellions. Well, I mean, when you're being raised by a hellion, are you not going to become a hellion? So, yes, all flesh had corrupted his way on the earth. So, even though we're not in Exodus yet and we don't have the laws of God laid out or the commandments of God laid out, apparently here, it was handed down from Adam. There was a set of laws. Like, I mean, we read about the, the law of tithing, which was instituted in Genesis chapter, I want to say three, excuse me, four. Yeah. Chapter four, the book of Genesis, we first hear a tithing, even though it won't be made into law till later on in the Old Testament. A lot of God's laws already existed on the earth during the book of Genesis. So we know that there was a set of laws that they were called to follow and that they didn't. They purposely didn't, just like people today. They know the Holy Bible. They know the Ten Commandments. They don't honor your father and mother. They don't keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't covet, don't commit adultery, etc., etc. Um, do not put any other God above the Lord your God. They know all these commandments. And yet, and still, even though in the back of their mind they know them, they break them anyway. They don't care. They're like, oh, well, that God, you know, he's, he's an ancient God. He's an archaic God. My God doesn't think like that. Well, your God isn't God. Your God's a false God you've cooked up in your head that's going to get you nowhere but hell. So, if you truly want to get to heaven someday, you need to change your thinking tonight. Study this book and get to know the true God. The true God who wiped off all evil and wickedness off this earth, which you yourself wouldn't want to live next door to today. So you think he wanted his righteous children living around that? No, absolutely not. So all flesh that had corrupted his way on earth he was going to wipe them out. 
Verse 13, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence, filled with terror through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make you an ark of gopher wood. Room shall you make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Now the pitch there, that's what they put on ships, so that the water obviously doesn't get in. And this is the fashion which you shall make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shall you make to the ark, and in a cubit shall you finish it above, and the door of the ark shall you set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shall you make it. So all that cubit language may seem a little foreign to all y'all, so I'm going to simplify it for you. The ark was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, which is three modern stories. It is said to be able to have fit over 500 modern train cars and 125,000 animals the size of sheep. There were only about 80,000 animals, including insects, on the ark. So that leaves a lot of space for Noah and his family. To get an idea of what it would have looked like and how large the ark truly was, I recommend either visiting or looking at images online of the ark encounter in Kentucky. The ark is a replica that was built according to the specifications given here in Genesis 6. So definitely check that out if you can. Now verse 17, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Verse 18, But with you, Noah, will I establish my covenant, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall you bring into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, of fowls or birds, and of cattle after their kind. Of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, insects. Two of every sort shall come in unto you to keep them alive. And take you unto you of all food that is eaten. And you shall gather it to you. And it shall be for food for you and for them, the animals. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. This is the lesson I want to end on today. So did he. Every time I read those words in the Old Testament, it's powerful and it hits me in the heart. Because it's a way I want to live and it's a way every one of us should have desired to live. You're going to find those words you're going to notice going forward in the book of Genesis and other books of the Holy Bible. That are going to speak of men like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, Moses, etc., so did he, so did he, so did he. You're going to hear it repeated a lot. According to all that God had commanded him, her, them, they did it. They did all he commanded. How many of us can say that today? 
Could that be said of us believers today? Could someone say, you know what, that guy, that girl, they do everything that God has commanded. So do they. Obviously, we all fall short. Enoch and Noah should be models for all believers. When you lay down to sleep each night, can you honestly say that your day could have been described as walking with God? If not, you need to list the reasons why it could not have been described that way and make the necessary changes the next day. This should be the daily goal of every Christian and Jew until our last breath, until it can be said of us by our Lord and our God in heaven. You know, you weren't perfect, but according to every law and every word in this book, you did your absolute best to keep it. So did you. Now, last week we read Enoch walked with God. This week we read that Noah walked with God. Do you walk with God? If you don't, then you need to start. And there is no better day to start than today. And no better time than now. Because just as the flood came in the days of Noah and swept everybody away who was living for the secular world and was out doing all these secular things and ignoring God, ignoring the preaching of men of God, so too the rapture is going to come like a thief in the night when nobody expects it. The believers who are walking with God are going to be raptured just like Enoch and then everybody else is going to be left behind for the worst tribulation the world has ever seen. Do you want to be here for that? you want to be like that generation that Noah lived around? Where it was just evil and wickedness continually? That's what it's going to be like during the seven-year tribulation. Those are the type of people you're going to be around. I sure don't want to be left behind with them. I mean, this world is evil enough as it is. I don't even want to imagine how difficult it would be for a just, righteous, holy man or woman of God to be around that continually. So, tonight, I say to you all, so did he, so did she, so do you, now, I just pose that to you as a question. So do you, or so do you, according to all that is written in this book. You alone can either make that a question in your life or a statement. So do you, or so do you. I want that to be a statement of my life, not a question. You should too. That will do it for the Genesis chapter 6 study. Next time in Genesis chapter 7, we are going to continue in the narrative of Noah. We're going to talk about his time on the ark and about his family and about how we can be just as close to God as Noah was. So don't miss that study. Tune in next time. And until then, my friends, God bless you all.